Bokar Tov, we are in chapter 14. We're in chapter 14 of Sefer Shemuel Bet. And we are in the story of the Ishah Tekoit. The woman from Tekoa that was hired by Yoav to encourage David to bring back Avshalom. Right? And everybody remember the backstory? To review, Avshalom after killing Amnon for raping Tamar, Avshalom ran away to Geshur, which was his mother's household, because Avshalom's mother was not was from a outside territory. Mm-hmm. And he runs away to Geshur and David that three years pass by and David kind of like gets over Amnon, but he starts to pine and desire to see Avshalom, but he denies himself that. Uh, ability and he just leaves Avshalom in exile. Okay. Now Yoav sees this and Yoav says this, ain't, this is not good. So Yoav devises a plan to get Avshalom back into the king's uh, into the king's arms, and that he hires this woman, this Isha Tekoit, and he invents a story and he puts a story in her mouth to go and say. Okay, she was an actress of some sort, and he gives her a story to tell David that will awaken him. To the fact that it's time to bring Avshalom home. Now, we should not take it for granted that Yoav is right in telling Avshalom to come back. It could be that Avshalom is deserving of death, right? For he didn't actually kill Amnon, but he organized the murder of Amnon. And it was in cold blood. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't by accident. So the fact that he's in exile may not even be enough, right? We shouldn't take it for granted that what Yoav is doing is right and that... And that David should bring him back. But that's what Yoav is trying to do. And that's what the Sisha Tekoit is trying to do with her story. Now what was her story? Her story was, I, had two, I have two sons. And they were in a field. And they got into a fight. And one of my sons killed the other son. Now all the people in my family are coming and saying, Let's kill this son for killing the first son. And it's seen, Okay, fine. They want to do Goel Hadam. They want to redeem the blood of the deceased. However, that will live, leave me... Alone, and that will leave no line for my husband. So I can't let that happen. And uh, so David says. So so now we get to the part in pasuk chet when David responds to the story. Okay, pasuk chet. He says to the woman, "Go home, and I'll make a command. Meaning, go home, and I'm going to tell. Uh, I'm going to send an order to your family. Nobody touch this guy. Now, is that strong enough?" Is that actually going to... I mean, these people are full of fury and they want to avenge the blood of the deceased. So the king is... I'm, I'm going, I'll send a message. When will it get there? I'll run a month. Okay, by the time it gets there, uh, you know, it may be too late. And even if it does get there, who says it's going to come into the hands of the right people? So she responds. She says, The sin will be on me. The sin will be on me and on the house of my, of my father And the king and his seat will be clean And she's saying actually euphemism. It's a euphemism She's trying to say the opposite She's saying if, if you do this and my son ends up getting killed The sin is on you The king Right now you're not going to say that blatantly to the king So you use a euphemism And you bring the curse upon yourself But you're really bringing the curse upon him The, the sin is upon you the king Whenever someone comes and kills my son. So the king says, okay, you know what, fine. Whoever speaks to you, let him be brought. Let my servant bring him here. 
And he will no longer bother you. So whoever, if somebody says something to you, that he wants to kill the, your second son, uh, tell him to call, I'll, tell me and I'll send a messenger and they'll come and they'll, and they'll bring him to me and I'll have a word with him. Now what's the problem with that? Also, it's too passive. It's too, uh, okay, what if he doesn't come and tell me and what if he just goes and kills him? What, so then what are you going to do? You're going to talk to him then? It's too late. But She says, no, 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 not strong enough. I want you to remember God, meaning mention the name of God, make a swear. So that the Goel Hadam does not do too much in killing, so that the redeemers of blood do not exceed in killing. And they should not kill my son. So then David responds, Hi Adonai, he swears in the name of God, by the life of God, that your son will even lose one hair from his head. So now David is getting more intense, right? He's, he's committing. Okay? How can he make a, like a swear like that? Like a, like a promise? What, what is he going, like practically, like how is he going to... your son will not fall? No, that's an expression. That's an expression. You, see, you see it throughout Tanakh. Okay. <laughs> Like it's a, it's a way of saying there will be full protection for your family. So how David is going to effectuate that, I don't know. But he makes the promise. Okay? And now that she got him, she got David to come all the way. She got David to commit 100% to the protection of her son. She says, can your maidservant speak to the king a matter? Can I say something? Now this is where she's going to spill the beans. And he said, yes, you shall speak. Now before we begin what she's about to say, notice that at this point, first of all, whatever she's about to say becomes very hard to understand. The psukim become very cryptic. It seems like she's jumping a little bit all over the place. It seems like she's speaking out of order. It's not clear whether she's still talking about the metaphor or she's talking about Avshalom anymore. Or she's doing both at the same time. At one point she makes it seem like the metaphor is true. Which is clearly just a metaphor because Yoav gave her the idea. So why is she still bringing it up? So I read Amnon Bazak. And he was saying that the reason for that is because at this point she's about to tell the king that what he's doing with Absalom is wrong. So she's becoming very nervous. Is the story with Absalom, it must be public. Like everyone must know or... I don't know. Is it like common? Uh, I mean, I would assume the matters that happen in the king's house, like a word gets out, you know. The fact that Amnon was killed publicly like, at a party common knowledge. Was, must have been common knowledge. Okay. And then the fact that Avshalom ran away, you know, he was also like a beautiful, well-liked person within the kingdom. I, I can't imagine that it stayed private, okay. So, so Amnon Bazak points out that you're going to see very jumbled language here And that's because she becomes very nervous Which is understandable Because when you're about to tell the king That what he is doing is wrong You become very nervous And you'll see her nerves They'll be on full display And she says Why are you saying this Thinking this on the people of God and by speaking this matter, you are like becoming at fault. By not bringing back the one who has been exiled from your family. Meaning, you're saying this about the people of Israel, that 
nobody should touch your son. You should keep him alive. Make sure he doesn't even, uh, one hair doesn't fall off his head. And you're blaming basically, and you're siding with the son not to be killed over the people who want to kill him. But by saying that, by speaking that way, the king, you are, be, you are becoming like, you are at fault. You are like Hashem. Because you have not brought back your nidach. You have not brought back your exilee. Okay? Which is your son of Shalom. So she spills the beans name. She tells him off. Kimot namut. For we will all die. hanigarim arza. And it's like water that flows onto the ground. That whenever it goes from up high and it's poured on a high place, it goes low. Asheloya asefu. That cannot be gathered. Right? You have water in a cup, but you pour it onto the ground, impossible to get it back into the cup. That water that's on the ground will never go back into that cup. And God will not forgive life. If you could translate that for me, thank you. I, I, have, I don't know how to. I mean, <laughs> That's where it spares no, God one. spares no one. Let the king therefore ponder thoughts so that no one be banished from him. Yeah, so, so what does this whole pasuk mean? What is she trying to say here? The Radak goes in the direction of saying, We will all die. So, because we're all going to die. You're not supposed to get carried away with allowing for bloodshed. You have to limit bloodshed to whatever extent possible. Okay, so therefore, let the king think thoughts not to have his exilee stay in exile. Because don't, don't do excessive bloodshed. We're all going to die. And, you know, it's like the water that gets poured onto the ground. It will never get regathered. So limit bloodshed to whatever extent possible. That's the direction the Radak takes it. And then the Radak therefore explains that she's making almost like a moral halakhic argument. Like, like Chachamim, you know, whenever they establish the ideas behind uh, um, murder, if it's by accident, they say you can't kill the guy, he has to go to Galut. And if it's on purpose, if there are no edim batraf, there are no witnesses, then also there's no punishment because, because the Torah wants to limit bloodshed. So he's saying like she's making that kind of argument to him. Saying... We're, we're, there's too much death in the world anyways We shouldn't add on to the death okay? And now that I've come to speak to the king this matter The reason I've come to say this matter Is because What's the The people have The people, scared me, the scared people have scared me So I said I'll speak to the king Maybe he shall do the matter of his maidservant. So why am I coming and talking to you now? Because the people scared me. What is she talking about here? Who, which people? I mean, if there are people, it was just Yoav. Which people? So is she going back to the story? Is she going back to the story of her and her son? But I thought that story was fake. Is she still trying to hold on to the fact that the story is real? Like, what is she even saying? Right? Uh... 
And the king will listen and will save his maidservant, Mikafa Ish, from the man, to kill me and my son together from the garden, from the portion of God. She's saying, so please, king, save me from the man who wants to kill me and my son. Which son? I thought the son was a part of a story. It's, it's possible that... She also had a son. No. It's possible that she's saying this because she doesn't want to, like, start rebuking the king like crazy and then reveal that she was just lying to him. Yes, that's what face. I think is happening. That's, that's what I think that's, that's similar I think to what Rashi's saying like, also. Yeah, he says that? Yeah, it says it if you have... What does it say? Instead of using a roundabout parable, and now the reason I have come to speak to the king, my lord, is in this matter is because the people frightened me that I had come with an open appeal for Av Shalom, you would have been angry with me. So he's saying, like, I use this parable oh. to say, I don't want to say it directly. I don't want to say it's like a direct situation with your own son. I'm saying it as if it was... I see how Rashi's interpreting it. So what, what Jason's saying is different. So... What I thought, what I thought's going on is she's she's trying to hold on to the parable because she's kind of nervous that she's rebuking the king head on. So she's saying, she's not, she's not admitting that the parable was fake. She's just saying, no, no. And I thought I would come to the king and he would save me and my son, and maybe also the king would remember his remember own his son. Own now what Rashi is saying is that now she's explaining herself in these psukim, which is again, it's none of this is clear and easy to see. But Rashi is saying that she is saying that. The reason I came this way and told the story in this way is because I was, the people scared me and I needed to use a roundabout way to tell the king what he was doing was wrong in order to save face. Right? So that's how Rashi was saying. Is this like in like the in which case she's In or? which case, in, in, according to Rashi, she's admitting that the story is not true at this point. Right? Now the way Jason's interpreting is she's, not, she's still clinging on to the story to save face by saying that, no, no, I'm, I'm still here to save my son. Okay. And she finishes by saying, uh, the matter of the king should be uh, at rest, uh, meaning it should, whatever the, the king says, should be graceful and calm. Let the king not be angry. I think that's how Radak interprets it. Because like the, like the angel of God, so is the king to hear good and bad. And Hashem, your God, should be with you. So that's the close of her, of her statement. Again, a little bit jumbled. Clearly, she's very nervous saying all of this. Not the easiest psukim to understand. But the gist of it is that she's in a roundabout way getting the king to admit that what he's doing is wrong. Again, we still haven't even analyzed whether what the king is doing is wrong. Because I think there may be a little bit of she's pressuring the king right now. Um, we've seen the king is susceptible to pressure. So again, I don't know if, if she's pressuring him in the right way. You know, it could be that she's doing the right, she, it's, it's wrong. Okay, we'll discuss that. Bezer Hashem, Wednesday. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.